Today's guest on Jumping Around is steeplechase jockey Hayden Frost, who joined us by telephone from his home in England. And uh, Hayden came over this spring, rode at uh, My Lady's Manor, Maryland Hunt Cup, Iroquois, Willowdale, probably was here for six weeks or so, won a few races. And uh, we get to, to learn a little bit how he got into the game and some of his background. And uh, he's also looking forward to coming back again this fall. All right, we're here on Jumping Around with uh, Hayden Frost, English-based uh, English steeplechase jockey. He came over this spring and rode some timber races uh, in America. Uh, welcome to the show, Hayden. Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Fine, thanks. And uh, you just told us uh, you're supposed to be in the sunny southwest of England, but uh, uh, the, the weather's not cooperating at the moment? No, I've come home, and it's, we had some sunshine for a couple of days, and now it's back to good old and it's raining and, and raining and raining. That's why we're green. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, plenty of people saw you ride some races this spring at the Maryland Hunt Cup, My Lady's Manor, Willowdale, and just a, a couple others for a taste of it. But uh, how did you get into jump racing or racing in general? And, uh, you know, I'll assume that uh, you, you grew up in it because I know a little bit of your background with your father and whatnot. But uh, how did you get into all this? Yeah, Dad, well, the whole family is racing, steeped in racing. So I grew up following my dad, who was a jockey at the time. So I used to get dragged around to the races. And that's Jimmy Frost for the uh, yeah for for, for the, some of the fans that might not know. Jimmy Frost was a top jump jockey in England and actually came over uh, to America to ride Morley Street, who won the Breeders' Cup Steeplechase twice in the nineties. Yeah. But what was uh, so go back another generation? I mean, grandparents and everybody were were horse type people. Yeah, exactly. My granddad was a farrier. And my grandmother is just a, she's a um, infamous horsewoman, to be fair. She's, she used to run a trekking yard and a horse dealing yard. So she's met thousands and thousands of horses. Wow. Um, yeah. So you had no choice. To, um, yeah, I had no choice but to do something with horses. And um, in fact, there was a, I was always, I always wanted to be a flat jockey, actually, which I nearly managed to pull off, but I got too tall. So then we went jumping instead. So when a young person wants to get involved in racing, you've got a little bit of background. You think you might want to be a flat jockey. Uh, where do you start? Uh, well, the pony club is good, and the fox hunting scene is very good as well. They, I, I, I'm a believer that people should learn how to ride, have a good all-round riding ability before they start focusing on any one particular discipline. You mean you can't go fast right at the beginning? Pardon? We all just want to go fast right at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're better at going fast and in control if you can do the rest of it. Exactly. Um, I could teach you to go. We could teach anyone could teach anyone to go fast. It's just what direction you're going fast in, which is quite important. <laughs> um, so there's some really good there's some really good things set up for the kids, and the pony club's great fun, and the hunting scene's also great fun. And then when you want to start specialising in racing, it's about I don't know what it is now, probably 10 or 12 years old now over here, there's a pony racing circuit. So it's actually, it's registered and it has rules and it's a club. So you can get going in that. Um, there's lots of camps and lots of good things that you can do for, for a youngster and it keeps them keeps them in, interested and excited. Now, were the pony races something you did or was it uh, more stuff on the, at home? Yeah, I was, I did the first two seasons. So I, I was there as it just started. Um, back in the day when you were allowed, when you would win a race with a half bread, but now you need now you need a fast thoroughbred to win the races. So they're really fast. I think um, it's becoming a little bit like Ireland. In Ireland, the pony racing is is phenomenal. People actually breed 
racing ponies. They have the small stallions, the small mares trying to breed themselves racing ponies. Wow, you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good fun. And uh, early days for you, um, so, so again, you work your way through, do a little bit of pony racing, and then you um, end up working for a trainer, or did you work at home, or you know, how did you get on racehorses in the beginning? Yeah, I, funnily enough, I actually did, I did the English pony racing, and then a friend of mine helped me get over to Ireland. So I did the Irish, they call it flatting, so it's not, it's a little less organized and a little, there's a lot less health and safety involved in it, which is brilliant. As a 15-year-old lad, you don't have any interest in health and safety. So that was just brilliant fun. Um, and that was also very good for me. I rose, I think I rode in 50 races in my summer holiday. Wow. And I managed to drop a lot of weight, actually. I left school and lost about the stone and a half. So I decided I was going to have a go at being a fat jockey. <laughs> so we found Richard Hannon. I thought I'd punch, I thought I'd go for the champion trainer and see how I get on. So we started to top. work for Richard Hannon. Yeah, start at the top. And I never looked back. Working at Richard Hannon's was brilliant. He's, a, he's, he's incredible to work for. And also, I was, what, the other thing that I was blessed with, from a jockey's perspective, is my Richard Hughes and Ryan Moore were both there at the time. And they're absolute gentlemen, and they gave me so much time and advice that I had the best. I had the best jockey coaches in the world. Wow! So yeah, that was phenomenal. Yeah, what do you learn from guys like that? And is it things they tell you, or is it just watching them? Sorry, I didn't actually get that question. Uh, what do you learn from guys like that, right? At that level, Ryan Moore, and you know, to to be exposed to them. Yeah, what I learned mainly, I guess, was they're both very humble which was an important lesson to learn. And they they had a kind of relaxed way about going about their jobs. So they would, even if they're riding in grade ones or classics, they're they're not wound up too much. You know, they just got their head down and they're doing it professionally and sensibly. Um, And Richard Hughes for his tactics, well, both of them for their tactics and their timing. It was incredible to listen to them talk about horses and what leg you've got to do on this leg here and you've got to make sure you like this here and keep a bit in your hand. When you get to the two and a quarter pole, you know, looking to me, I was a seven pound claim when they were talking through races at half a furlong at a time. And the best bit of advice I got from Richard Hughes was he said it should be in slow motion and it should feel like fun. So, <laughs> and that's dead true. If you're riding in a race and it feels in slow motion and it feels fun, you're doing it right. Wow. Yeah, the handful of races I rode, it never felt slow motion. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It takes a good. It takes a couple hundred before you realize what's going on. <laughs> and uh, what what time frame would have this been? What what years were you there? I, that was between sixteen and eighteen. Okay. And and uh, how old are you now? So we got to back up. Well, I'm twenty six now. Okay, so ten I years feel ago. Like I've okay. had three lives. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the flat racing experiment for you didn't last very long. It didn't last very long. I rode 50-odd winners okay. on the flat. Um, and I rode them some at, the big, at some of the big meetings, which is incredible. But um, no, it didn't last long. I got tall and I got heavy. So then I went to David Pipes. What was that yard like? That was very professional. And you, for instance, you would have to write a report on every horse that you race ride. And you'll have to say if he jumped straight or where he didn't jump straight. And you'll have to say if he made any noises. Um, you got lots of comments and recommendations, so it was different in that you really had to think about your horse and his form. Martin, Martin Pipe, Mr. Pipe, would quiz you on the breeding of every horse in the yard. Wow! And try and catch you out. So it really that helped me 
become more professional in what I was doing. I paid a lot more attention to the paperwork side of things then. Yeah, and you're far more than a jockey when you're doing that. I mean, you're really trying to identify with the horses. Yeah, yeah. No, the pipes like you to be more than just a jockey. They they want to know you have to help with the training as well. So that was good. So it was a good lesson. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so uh, flat racing was 50-odd winners. Jump racing, uh, how many winners there? And, and you rode as a professional there. I rode as a professional, yeah. So I lost my claim for David. And then I was a professional for for a little bit for him. I, I don't know. I finished off on 120-something. So I think that's 70-odd winners on the other jumps. And I was lucky enough to get some bigger winners in, in there as well. So... Yeah, what was the uh, what's the biggest English race you won? I rode a win at the Cheltenham Festival wow. for David Pipe actually on a horse called Buena Vista. And uh, when was that? What year? Two thousand and nine, I think. If you bear with me, there's a photo on the wall just around the corner. <laughs> of course, there is. There are several. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there's several photos, <laughs> and actually, it's underneath. My sister's Cheltenham winner is bigger and above mine, so we're going to have to have words. We have to fix that. 2010. 2010. So what? what's a winner at the Cheltenham Festival feel like to a jockey? It feels, part of it was a relief, actually, because the tactics went wrong. I was supposed to be held up, and I ended up making all. <laughs> so I was thinking, if we don't win, I'm going to be hung, drawn, and quarters. <laughs> so initially, it was a little bit, it was a little bit, it was a mix of relief and elation. But it is, it's just a phenomenal place to be. You walk back down the, the, um, the walkway, and people are trying to interview you, and the the crowd's roar is nearly physical. It, there's something magic about the place. And obviously, growing up, you, you even if you did want to be a flat jockey, there's a part of you that always thinks, yeah, I'd love to ride a Cheltenham Festival winner. So actually get it. It's something very special. Yeah, that's for sure. Fantastic. And uh, so then, the and again, from talking to you a little bit in April, the, the jump jockey, the professional side of it sort of... Uh, closed down and not necessarily for any reason, right? You just sort of decided it was time to move on and maybe do something else? Yeah, exactly. It was starting to fizzle. I was starting to fizzle out and I wanted to, I thought I'll hang my boots up as it were a little bit early than a little bit late. So when it, when I didn't look like I was going to go and ride a, a gold cup winner anymore, I thought I'll have a go at something else. Whilst I'm young enough to and sound enough to, I was lucky I didn't get too many bad injuries. So. And you you didn't move on that far because you're still with horses and doing some uh, pre-training and things like that? Yeah, I do some pre-training and some braking. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, I love I love working with youngsters. But the um, what I've really got my sights set on is to try and produce my show jumpers a bit further. I've got a couple of nice novices at the minute, and I'm just going to try and work them up through the ranks and hopefully get some jumping some big tracks with them. That's the target at the minute. Wow. And um, the the opportunity to come to America. How did that How did that come to be? And had, did you know anything about American jump racing beforehand? I knew I knew a little bit. Obviously, Dad had spoken about it growing up, and we hear a little bit about it. But the, the press doesn't really pick up on it too much, unfortunately. And not sorry, the English press don't pick up on it too much. Sure, which would be good if it would. It would be good if it did, because it's um, such a cool, cool racing. So, but the opportunity came about through Richard Pittman, because I was helping his. I was actually working for his daughter with, in the pre-training yard, and he knows you guys obviously so he he offered he gave me the proposition he said hey i have a proposition you're going to say no but please think about it i uh, i replied no but i'll think about it <laughs> <laughs> so i did i quickly did a youtube video i found the youtube video of the Maryland hunt cup 
And I decided that that cannot be turned down. I need to have a go at the handcuffs. <laughs> so we got on the next flight. I love it. And uh, so uh, My Lady's Manor were the, were the first rides you had? Yeah. And it was a good, it was, um, the first race was a baptism of fire because we, I, I walked the course and everybody said, you go, you know, you go steady and you ride your race at the last half of the course. And obviously in timber racing, you want to go a little bit slower than you would do over normal steeper chases or hurdles because you can't get away with anything. But in that race, we didn't. That race, we went lickety split. And I think we broke the track record by five seconds. Yeah. And the race has been around for, it's been run there for about 40 years. So, uh, yeah, they were going pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. So that was, I mean, I loved it because I was on Drift Society, so I was having a great time. Yeah, there were, people asked me beforehand of that race, they said, you know, where are all the horses? Why are there only five in the manor? And I said, don't worry, it's the right five. And it turned into a very good race. Yeah, it must have been a good race. But I mean, I've never, I, my, my horse, I felt sorry for Drift that day because he must have broken the track record himself, but he still got beat. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's for sure and then um we're gonna fast forward a little bit because you then you uh ended up going to the maryland hunt cup with drift society we're gonna stick with him and uh uh that was an interesting race to watch i'm sure it was as uh, more interesting to ride yeah it was it's probably the most interesting race i've ridden in <laughs> he was brilliant again he was he's such a brilliant partner to have in those situations because he's off to, he's a he's a thinking horse as well he he judges his fence as you gallop down to it. So quite often you're going with him and you're taking his lead, which is always a uh, reassuring feeling as you gallop down to a big fence when your horse wakes up and says, come on, boss, we're going to take it from here. I love it. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind I like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was livid to get beat because I actually, I thought we had won at the water jump, but that's horse racing for you. No, and the um, uh, the race started with uh, 10 entries, I think, and in short order, there were only three. And uh, did that make it challenging going around there, probably for almost two miles with just three runners? I mean, I'd rather only have three runners than 11 runners. <laughs> but uh, it does it does bring up its own challenges. We did, go, we did go pretty steady, which perhaps didn't go in our favor, you could argue. But funnily enough, I mean, I was I was counting them down. I was quite happy when they when my opponents were dropping off, and I was more delighted when I came home and everybody had got up. That was good fun. So, so it was an interesting race, and there was a lot of dialogue going on because it's such a, we were going so slowly and we had so far to go. I think we I was taking the Mickey out of the other jockeys that were still racing, and we were counting them down. Yeah, you could have half a conversation at that speed and with only the uh, three of you for sure. Yeah, exactly. I was counting Gon- I was counting Gonzac's taxis, and <laughs> I was counting down the others. <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing when I interviewed Gonzac Cotro, who won the race uh, with Derwin's Prospect. The first thing he told me was, "I I, I hailed a taxi a few times, and uh, I'm like, I think you're okay now. Don't worry about it, you know." Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you 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 yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. It was the, literally the first thing he said to me. And I, I, I told him it wasn't going to be that big of a sto- that big of a part of the story, so he'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's French anyway. He's supposed to call taxis. It's, exactly. It's the fashion over there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And you said you thought, so from the water fence home, so that's the second last. I mean, you thought you had a chance to win. You certainly had a chance to win. Uh, re-ride that. I mean, the, your, the last two fences of that race, what was that like? Well, the water jumps infamous for being tricky. So I've gone down to that pretty much upside of Gonzac, which is perfect because the two horses are going to encourage each other and hopefully we'll jump it well, which we did. And then I start, I give um, 
I guess drift to squeeze and I've got lots of horse left. So in the corner of my eye, I actually take the lead there. And in the corner of my eye, I'm watching Gonzac on um, Darwin's... What a, Darwin's Prospector. Yeah, Darwin's Prospector. And I think I've got the measure of him. So now all it is is a case of getting the last correct and away we go. And we get the last correct and I get down and we start going and Gonzac's going faster than me. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and I pulled up I pulled up thinking perhaps I should have gone faster earlier and all these sort of things. But I mean, you never really know. Perhaps if we were out in front of, on our own at the water jump, it would have gone wrong because the water jump can be a tricky fence when oh, you're out yeah. on your own. Yeah. No. And and yeah, you can rewind and change any variable you want anywhere for any horse and change the outcome. So I yeah. don't know. I mean, trying trying to figure out why will make you crazy. I do think if you ran the race with the three of us, because McLean was still going very well as well. To be fair, I think if you ran the race with the three of us on the water jump another ten times, we'd have several different winners. <laughs> yeah, I think they take turns for sure. <laughs> And uh, you got a chance to see a few other courses. Uh, you ended up winning two races with Doc Sibu, one at Willowdale, one at the Manor. Um, uh, looks like a nice young timber horse coming along, too. I mean, you know, what, what was that experience like? Again, Willowdale's a little different kind of a race course. Yeah, Willowdale's brilliant. I had to walk the course three times. <laughs> and it was an interesting race as well because uh, Grand Manan, I keep pronouncing everybody's names wrong, but he um, he took off and going pretty quick up in front again and I had to make a decision whether I was going to risk it and go with him or whether I was going to ride back with the field so we went with him and Dr. Sudhu was obviously quite keen on that idea as well because he was really taking a hold and jumping his fences pretty long and slick he was nearly hurtling some of the timber fences and luckily we kept going I do remember thinking we're either going to look silly and get told off or we're going to win and we'll be okay <laughs> some of those the life of a jockey yeah yeah exactly but they're split decision. They're sort of they're decisions you got to make and just go with it. Not, no, you, you can't worry about the repercussions of your decisions whilst you're making them. And uh, so now, now you're back home in England. Our racing takes a little bit of a break. The timber racing certainly does. Uh, uh, what, what's your summer like? And will we get a chance to see you back here this fall? Yeah, I'm looking forward to coming back in the fall, uh, especially as I believe I'm going to get a chance to ride Doxy Boo again. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, that was my next question. They better let you ride Doxy Boo again. Yeah, they better do. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but my summertime, my summer's looking interesting. As I said, I got the novice, I got a couple of novices in that, uh, they're a bit like myself, really. They're a little bit fat and a bit fresh and a little. <laughs> and that's novice show jumpers, and you, you'll ride them yourself? Yeah, the novice show jumpers. I ride them myself. Okay. So I do. And I've just signed up. I actually, it's my first day tomorrow. I do a part time job selling horse food for Keyflow Horse Feeds, which is exciting. It's the first time I've had a salary since I was 18. Wow. Yeah, you do a little bit of everything because I also have seen uh, if you if you Google you, you come up with some uh, leather goods and things, right? Saddles and bridles and. Well, I used to, yeah. Okay. But now, as you say, I'm a little bit busy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I pick it up and drop it as I go along. I I I would make the odd I make the odd handbag or belt for somebody when they want to. I I started off doing saddlery repairs, so my racing was slowing down um, as a side project. Wow. And I got bored of doing saddlery repairs. So I decided I'll make something more interesting for so started making handbags and things like that. <laughs> so it's quite fun. Occasionally people will catch me having a conversation with somebody about their handbag. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you've got careers to fall back on uh, uh, in every direction. And and the one that fascinated me a little bit, the the obviously with your last name and what your father did, you'd think the racing background, but does the show jumping help you ride a timber race or help you ride a race? And how? 
Yeah, it certainly helps ride a timber race. It, and I think it helps ride a fence, to be honest with you, because you can touch your balance and your pace and your spot as well. I mean, if you know how to place a horse onto a spot, whether that's two feet from the fence or just society, kind of four meters from the fence, it's, it's all the same principle. So, yeah, of course it does. And also, for the timber racing, I think it's important. There's a lot of getting the right lead leg for this bend and that bend. As I say, I'm a fan of, I think riding horses is riding horses, and then you can specialize for different disciplines. But I quite like to think I can put my hand to what I need to. Yeah, that's great. And, I, and I've seen uh, I've seen you ride one other thing. Uh, I've seen uh, some video of a bull riding escapade. Did that really happen? The which one? The riding a bull. <laughs> I rode, I rode four bulls. Um, it was on my bucket list, and I kept saying to Jack Fisher, I said, can I go and ride a buck and bull? And he said, yeah, of course you can. And I don't think he took me seriously at all. I don't know why. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when so when nobody was putting a stop to it, I decided I was going to go for it. So I got put in touch with um, a, a local cowboy, Zach, and off we went. We found, we found some local buck outs in Pennsylvania, and it was just brilliant. It was great fun. I rode one for the full eight seconds, all right. I rode one for nearly eight seconds. I rode one for nearly a second. And the best one that I think you've seen the video of, um, I fell off and then he ran me over twice. <laughs> that was such a thrill. I, <laughs> it was, I've never had such an adrenaline buzz. And I jumped out of planes and done the mountain biking and the snowboarding and all the timber racing and everything. I've never been buzzing like that before. It was something incredible. I've never been, I, I, driving home, I realized it was quite a strange feeling to be chased by an animal. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well unlike show jumping i'll assume riding bulls does not help your race riding all that much yeah no but it's good for your lower legs yeah definitely you know you get shout <laughs> you get shouted at that when you're given when you're getting riding lessons from people as a child and they say keep your heels down keep your legs down keep your heels down keep your heels down if you don't keep your heels down you fall off that's that yeah and then you get run over i like it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we, we've taken up a little bit of your evening. Thank you very much. And, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you back here, uh, in the fall on some more timber horses. Thanks for your time. Looking forward to it. All right. Take care. Cheers. Jumping Around is a production of thisishorseracing.com, a source for original content about thoroughbred racing from the steeplechase circuit, Fair Hill, Saratoga, the Mid-Atlantic, and more. This edition was recorded and produced at Howling Wolf Recording Studio in Baltimore, Maryland. Special thanks to Charlie Fenwick, our listeners and guests, You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes by searching for This Is Horse Racing.